This, this is Brock and Saul. 23 and 10. Oh, that's not right. 17 and 10. Excuse me. 20 and 13. 20 and 13. I just had this earlier. <laughs> On Seattle Sports Station. Where's like, the buff dudes at? Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming audio and video on the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Plenty of fire this morning. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Good morning. I've missed you, buddy. Why they got to do you like that? I know. Isn't that wrong? Dude. That's like your favorite clip, though, so I don't want to hear it. No. Second favorite. Oh, the Bobby one is your favorite. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, hey, I don't want to I don't want to delay. We'll have plenty of time for sort of chit chat. But the yes. Mariners made a deal yesterday. Did. And, uh, you know, we sort of talked this funny. Shannon was in Friday and we were just kind of reminding people that talking of speaking of being done dirty. Mm-hmm. Jerry was sort of done dirty a little bit after the Kelnick trade when he said, OK, we now have a complete roster. Mm-hmm. And what he was saying is we've now at least can go out and play a baseball game. Mm-hmm. We have somebody in all of the positions and now we're going to go look to see if we can get better. And that seemed to kind of get in interpreted as we're done this is perfect we're great right and i was like well that's not really what he said and yesterday kind of proved it because he went out and probably made the second biggest acquisition of the Mm offseason right probably after garver maybe kind of similar somewhere in that range yeah i think so and garver was free was garver was a free agent correct yes so as far as as far as trade goes, the the Rayleigh deal, I, I think this is my favorite. Let me just say that I think of all the acquisitions this offseason, this is going to turn out to be my favorite. Why? Dude's pretty darn established. Trains and works out with Julio. Um, is is a bona fide dude when healthy, and I I know that that is a, a big qualifier, mm-hmm. and certainly will be through the spring and over the course of the season. But th- this guy just got some legit pop. Uh, he just feels like a totally le- legit pro. I know as I'm saying this, the name Colton Wong is floating in the back of my head because Colton's numbers the year before were also pretty darn good mm-hmm. and also had been all of those things. But I don't know, man. That's This guy facing this is one that I, I actually remember this dude being just a nemesis and kind of a pest. Well, and you really gave up player. more to get him, certainly, than you gave up to get Colton Wong. I mean, so so that says something about who he is, right? I mean, you gave up a fair amount. Mm-hmm. Justin Topo is a pretty darn good player, and now you kind of have a little hole in your bullpen. Gabby yep. Gonzalez is a very well-thought-of prospect. The pitching prospect's not bad. I mean, you've given up a fair amount to get him. You have. You have. And, and But you get two he, years if he's good. You do. And yes, the option do. to get out after one if he's not. So I, I understand this from the Mariner perspective. You needed another bat in the infield. You, you just There's needed. No you really hope the tie can turn it around. And you really hope the driveline can in, inject some juice into him. Like mm-hmm. I mean, figured, uh, not, you know, literally. Um, <laughs> like they did to JP. Or and all whatever. Of a sudden, yeah. Yes. And, and all of a sudden just find that bat that had been an all-star bat in the first mm-hmm. half of the season a couple years ago. But between second and third and Urias and Rojas, and you just you need needed, you need a more. Well, you need and more. so now you got and it. This is more. And so now the most important phrase of this Mariner season is going to be when healthy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be enormously important for this team. Is that above the tunnel when they run out? It should be. When healthy. Play like a champion? Yeah. When healthy. I mean, it's it's more of an asterisk. <laughs> it's going to be the asterisk yes. on everything you say about this team for the next few weeks because Polanco's a stud when healthy. Yep. Urias actually pretty good when healthy. Hanniger, you know, can hit in T-Mobile when healthy. Mm-hmm. Rayleigh's had issues. Francis had issues. Garver's had issues. So you get the idea. You've got a you know a question about health. But when healthy, I, I know this is going to make some people mad. It's a pretty good lineup. Mm-hmm. It's not elite. It's not the best offense in the game. But it's better than 15th would be my guess. 
So it's better prob- on paper than going into last season at this point? Um, I don't know. It might be. I mean, so here's here's what I would project your lineup to be. JP, right? Julio. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess Garver for now, but obviously this stuff is, you know, will change throughout the year. I'm going to say JP, Julio, Garver, Cal, Polanco, Rayleigh. And then at the bottom, you get some combination of your two platoons, Hanniger, mm-hmm. Canzone, and Wright, Urias Rojas at third, and then France at, at first base. So instead of Ty, Ty France being a guy that you're counting on in the top three, mm-hmm. he becomes a seven, eight, nine guy for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. If Urias has the kind of pop that he showed a couple of years ago before he got hurt and he's hitting eighth, right? If Hanniger, mm-hmm. instead of being a second or third hitter for you, which he was before he left, is hitting seventh, I mean, that that's a baseball team. It's not necessarily the 27 Yankees, but that is a complete lineup that kind of like the whole Kraken thing doesn't have a ton of superstars, but it's got one, and then it's got a lot of professional hitters in it. Yep. Who is the uh, the name of the new Mariners offensive coordinator, Brand Brand Brown, I believe. Brand Brown. Yeah, that sounds right. Double B. This gives and Plonko gives, and as you kind of rattle through that in some of the platoons and otherwise, I think that this gives your offensive coordinator now the personnel to do what he says he wants to do, and that's deploy night in and night out a, a lineup that gives you the opportunity to win, mm. to play the kind of way that you're going to need to play in 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 these series and against certain opponents and against certain pitchers, and, and I think a Polanco just kind of gives you that veteran bat with some pop, and when he was healthy, as you said. Uh, it's been a, a very legitimate pop, one that Justin Hollander has been pursuing, as he told the press yesterday, and we'll talk to Jerry in 50 minutes about this, that they've been pursuing for some time. Mm-hmm. You know, this has not been a, a, a new flavor. It's not been, well, let's, what do you think about this? Or, hey, we're six months in, or this offseason, or this trade deadline. No, I mean, this this circles back, as Justin has said, yeah, for two years. A couple of years they've wanted this. Yeah, yeah. a couple of years. Like, we kind of need this. And yep. this has been, second base has been a problem. Second base has been Adam Frazier. It's been Colton Wong. It's now going to be a plunk. I mean, it's. And it may be a problem is- again if this guy can't stay healthy. Yep. But if he is, he's a legitimate top tier top of the order kind of, you know, as, as Phil Mackey told us earlier in Minnesota, we talked to him at 630, he can carry your team for three weeks. Like, that's the kind of player you're talking about, and he yeah. plays second base while he does it. The, we had a texter who texted him. It doesn't hurt he that agreed. he trains with Julio. Kind it really a, doesn't. Kind of a, I, mean, I was just yeah. going to tell you quickly because I thought you would yeah. like this. Kind of a discount diet version of Jose Ramirez. Mm. Yeah, I thought you would like that. Like, he's yeah. not Jose Ramirez, but he also plays second instead of third. That's like, right. Discount yep. diet Jose Ramirez? That sounds sure. like a pretty good addition at the end of this offseason for the Mariners. Yep. I would I would totally agree with that. And I, I really I know it's just a, a little adjunct, but mm-hmm. dude works out with Julio. Like they train together in Tampa. Like, you know, th- this is Julio's team. Julio's your superstar. Mm-hmm. This team goes as Julio goes. None of that's gonna change for twenty twenty three. And you bring in someone that works and trains with Julio, someone that he's very comfortable with, somebody that he enjoys, somebody that he likes. And by the way, somebody that when healthy has been a really good player in this league. Yeah. Sign me up. I think you're going to like him, Brock. Professional at bats, professional kind of player. Um, not a not a loud, audacious type, but just pro. Just a straight up pro. Minnesota is not the easiest park to hit in. Right? It's not a band box. No. 
and playing in Cleveland and in Chicago and some of the places that he's played in for the entirety of his career. He's been a lifer there. That also speaks and resonates to me. Dude has been a difference maker there. The money is not in, by any means out of control. And as you said, if he has a great year, guess what? You have your option to keep him for 25 as well. Yeah, this this one, I Rayleigh, I like. Rayleigh is right up there as, as I was looking at the lineup and looking at these offseason moves. Another one, like, yeah, that's a big, talented, strong dude and mm-hmm. a good athlete and, you know, can run. Yeah. This, this gives you another yeah. just asset in that huddle, as I said, as an offensive coordinator, that if your mindset is we've got to play games certain ways and in certain series and, and be flexible and pliable enough to do it, a veteran mat like well, his certainly we're gonna, helps. We're going to talk to Jerry DePoto coming up at 8 o'clock. I wonder what it would look like. These are bold moves he made this offseason, right? I mean, like he added Rayleigh, Polanco, Garver, Hanniger, and did all of that without spending more money or without giving up his stud starting pitching. Would I like the Mariners to add $25 million to this? Yes, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Given the given the the parameters put on Jerry DePoto, it's pretty impressive, I gotta tell you. Like he has completely transformed the look of this lineup without giving up his young pitching. It gives you an opportunity. without spending more money. So it gives you an opportunity in April and May. It gives you an opportunity to maybe spend that money come trade deadline in June and July. You would sure hope. You would sure hope that if this team gets off to a decent start, that yeah. some of that would be waiting for them along the way. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll give you a little bit more on this trade. Who is Jorge Polanco and why is he now a Mariner? That and more next on Brock and Salk. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. The Mariners have themselves a full-time second baseman. They are giving up a lot to get him, but they reach a deal with the Twins yesterday to bring in 30-year-old veteran Jorge Polanco. Has spent his whole career in Minnesota. He's been an above-average hitter. He's got some pop. He gets on base. Switch hitter. Plays multiple infield spots. Justin Hollander likes him a lot. A couple different reasons. The switch hit is huge for us, the way our team is constructed. To have a guy who's put two neutral, um, who can hit in the middle of our lineup from either side, uh, is a big advantage for Scott as he stacks the lineup up to be able to go left, right, switch, or left, right, switch, and, and move the pieces around. Uh, obviously a middle infielder who has experience at, at a lot of spots on the diamond and so can solidify second base for us. A- another great fit. Uh, and just what we know about the person. Everything we've done on our homework or background says He's a top-of-the-scale leader, great makeup, great human being, great teammate. So really excited about the entire package that he brings to the table. The desert. Familiar faces. I mean, a Hanniger comes back, but between, you know, the, the new backup catcher, between Rayleigh, between Palong, there, there are a lot of, there can be a lot of new faces. It's also not going to be a young Mariners team. There's a lot of guys that have, put together a lot of at-bats with a lot of stats and numbers and years on the back of their trading card and you nailed it in our show note last night you said it last segment when healthy i mean the health is going to be a big part of this season big part of the spring making sure these guys and over the course of the season for scott service to manage it to keep as many of these new puzzle pieces together here's the second thing you need to know hey, are the seahawks rather going to hire a coach Next week. Okay. Next week? I think tomorrow. I think this gets done tomorrow. Uh, you would think it's got to happen soon. All of the coaches they've been linked to are, are free of their duties, so they're all readily available. They talked to Ben Johnson yesterday. They're expected to meet with Mike McDonald today. 
Like, how much longer can this go? And and not that you shouldn't have waited this long. I have no issues with them waiting. But at some point, you do want to start hiring assistant coaches, which we know are so important. Mm-hmm. Adam Schefter with the latest on both their job and the open job in Washington. And then Ben Johnson's also in play in Seattle. So you have to see, okay, well, if he doesn't get Washington, is he then in Seattle? Or does Seattle pull an upset? Again, people have, people have said here that they think Ben Johnson's going to Washington and Dan Quinn is going to Seattle. Yes. And I will bet you, I will bet you that at a minimum, one of those is not right. Hmm. At a minimum. Mm. Maybe, maybe both. Mm. I mean, Schefter wouldn't just randomly bet. No, he's not the betting type. Doesn't seem like it. If you're Dan Quinn, I, I thought about this, tried to put myself in his shoes a little bit. You've interviewed twice. You yeah. know everybody there. You know John inside and out. They know you better than any of these other people. Are you kind of just like, really? I mean, yeah. Or, you know, the other side of it's like, okay, do all your due diligence. And if, if at the end you come and pick me, then you know what? Then I know, I know. I'm absolute, absolutely. It just feels like if they were going to hire Dan Quinn, they would have done it by now. I, I know you got to no still Vrabel, check No Vrabel, by the way, man. No Vrabel. And other than, honestly, the L.A. Chargers, I didn't really hear his name tied to, or I guess Atlanta he interviewed as well. But. I'm going to guess he either wanted too much money and he priced himself out or too much power and control and that priced him out of the market at least for now but it'll be interesting if he and Belichick are both on the street and available for any coaches that are on the hot seat next year that will uh, certainly be out there as for McDonald I know you guys spent some time yesterday learning about him Uh, Jameson Hensley from ESPN said this yeah I know a lot of uh, fans with the Chargers were going like oh this is a Brandon Staley you know young you know, defensive coordinator and doesn't have the lot of experience. You know, he's kind of been rushed up through the ranks a little bit. I would almost say, and I've, I've crossed paths with Dick Fangio a little bit, where, again, he is a guy that is not probably the, the well-spoken, uh, you know, he's not going to be the rah-rah type of guy in front of the, the team. But he is a guy that grinds, uh, loves just being in that film room, uh, and then again, one-on-one with players can really like, he, you know, he wants to hear what the player's input is and try to and put that into the game plan. You know what that sounds like? Kalen DeBoer. A really great coordinator. Mm. That's my fear. Mm. Nick Fangio, really great coordinator. Yep. Sounds a lot like a really great coordinator. Here's the third thing you need to know. Crack will get back to it tonight. They go to San Jose. Uh, they do have points in, what, three straight games now, two wins and an overtime loss. The Sharks are terrible. In yep. fact, this is going to be three games out of four against the last place team. So for all of the talk, Brock, about all the good teams in hockey, and there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them. You're getting an opportunity here to play some of the not very good teams, and you got to take advantage of those, and they are. You have to. You have to. Because I actually looked into February, Saul. It yeah. is brutal. You don't play a team like this the whole month of February. I mean, it gets nearly every single opponent's above 500 at a point level at yours or above through the entire month of February on the road after the All-Star break. Once again, end of March and into April, you'll get to feast on some of these teams. But yeah, you've got to go get these two points and go get them right now. All right, that's everything you need to know. Uh, quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. I just want to tell people kind of who Polanco is, Jorge Polanco, the uh, newest Mariner second base. And we're going to talk to Ross Tucker. We'll get back to some football here in a moment. And Jerry Depoto at eight. But I uh, I spoke to Phil Mackey earlier this morning. He's my buddy in Minnesota. Is he the Score... Davis from Minnesota? Uh, no, not at all. He's not at uh, all. he's a host at Score North. He oh, he's a Salk in Minnesota. Okay. He, yeah, he and I have a fair amount in common. Anyway, he, here's what uh-huh. Phil had to say about Polanco. He's a real good veteran second baseman he takes great at bats he's reliable in the field that's the good and we can talk more about sort of the the details of that 
the bad news is he's rarely healthy for a full season. And so um, that's part of the reason why he's available in the middle of his prime at age 30. He's also a free agent after the year, and the Twins are pretty loaded up the middle at shortstop and second base. So we kind of saw this coming from a few months away. Yeah, so he went on just by the way, he he's a free agent if you want him to be. You could also uh, pick up a $12 million option for 2025 if you want to keep him for two years. Yeah. My guess is they don't give up as much as they did unless you were going to get that second year of control <laughs> option. Um but he's a really good, solid player. And yes. he went on to say he carried this team at times for weeks at a time. That's important. Other than the injury stuff, yep. this is like exactly who you would want playing second base right now for the Mariners. Yeah, and this is this is lower body injuries, right? This is not core. It, this is not back. This is not one of those things. It looks like it's a lot of no, ankle, like knee, ankle and hamstring, knee. you know, so a little bit of making sure that you cater to that. They feel like they've done all of their homework. We'll ask Jerry about that a little bit more here in, in a half an hour as well. But yeah, and he did through August and September. Went healthy last year. It was a lot of his bad. I think 850 OPS in those 50 games down the stretch to help them get to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of guy and kind of bat this lined up. Yeah, certainly he said needed. when you were, you know, up in the ninth inning, eighth inning, facing some random reliever, throwing 100 with a nasty hook, he's exactly who you want up. That he's going to give you that professional at bat, that he's going to come up big in the big moments. And so, uh, yeah, kind of an intriguing little move yesterday for the Mariners. Nothing. Uh, He's still going to need some help, I think, in your bullpen. But other than that, this team is starting to, I don't know. Oh, oh here it goes. They're not great. They're sneaky good, though. Mm -hmm. they, they're they sneaky a lot better than maybe they appear. If 87 and a half, 88. I don't know. I don't paper. know what. The, I'm not giving you a number. I don't no, know what that no, number is no, right not now. Yet. All right. Not yet. Not Are the right Seahawks now. ever going to hire a coach? It would not be right nice now. if they did. Ross not Tucker right now. Is, uh, is one of our favorites. He's going to join us next for that and a little Super Bowl preview as well. That's coming up on Brock and Salk. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, rolling along here with Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports. 710salesports.com as well. Ross Tucker is going to join us in just a moment. Jerry Depoto, a half hour from now at 8 o'clock, we'll go through the Jorge Polanco deal with him. And we are still on Seahawks coaching watch as we wait for them to hire a coach, which I assume is going to happen tomorrow. That's sort of my gut is that this ends up happening tomorrow. But let's uh, let's chat, talk some football with our friend. Guys, I messed up. What, what do you mean you messed up? I'm just looking at my email and he's scheduled for tomorrow. This was my bad. What? Oh, oh wow. wow. Are you wow? Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So, so she sleeps First in she last sleeps week. In. What's oh going God. on with Mora? <laughs> I is, is there a new someone in your life, Mora, that you've not told us about? Oh, is something God. going on? I think we need to ask a very serious question. What's going on with Mora? What's <laughs> going this on is, with? This is arguably Mora's two biggest mistakes oh, she's made in the two and a half Holy years I've worked smokes. closely with her. What is going on with Mora? I moved it up Mora? a day in my head. I'm sorry. I think it's a man. It's not. I... <laughs> I wish I could tell you that was it, Brock. I, 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 <laughs> immediately. I kind of know how this happens, Salk. I've watched it with you, Macy and Haley, and wow. yeah, I think she's there's something going on that she doesn't so. want to tell us. I don't think mm -hmm. it's that. I yep. got to tell you, I don't. I don't think so. I think you're wrong. <laughs> no, I, 
Now, with Howdy, when this stuff... So I'm trying to think back over the years. Uh-huh. When Howdy would make mistakes oh like this... Oh, my gosh. We're not doing another punishment. When, no. But no. when Howdy would make mistakes like this, it was because he was trying to get another job. It's because he was thinking oh, of yes. quitting so, and yes. wanted to leave. Wait, that happened yes. multiple times? Well, it at least oh, yes. happened once. I mean, we, at some point, there was a whole thing where Howdy was living with, like, eight guys in a house... They had like people living in closets Down and by the like river. sharing bunk beds and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we called because they they there was having they were having a big row over whether to pay for cable or not. Mm-hmm. And like his roommates wouldn't get cable. So anyway, we decided we wanted to get to the bottom of it. So we had him call his roommate. We were going to tape it. <laughs> and when he called, he wasn't taping it, which is the worst. He of course screwed up the taping, but. Yeah. When we called, the guy was like, hey, how'd the interview go? And he was like, uh, he's like, you're going to get that gig? And Howdy's like, uh, I'm kind of with my, uh, uh so. with my current employers. <laughs> Needless wow. to say, he didn't get the job, and he was here for like another decade after that. Guys, that, I just but. made an honest mistake. All my right. goodness. Well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. All right, well, so then I have a few different places. I'm glad, I'm kind of glad this happened. <laughs> this gives me we some We do have a lot to talk about. We have a ton, a ton to talk about. I apologize. But I have to confess something first, bro. You were gone last week, mm-hmm. okay? And on Friday with G, did, did this? Did you hear about this? I wasn't sure if this would get back to you. Mm-hmm. On Friday, I learned something about the NIL stuff that I had not known about before. And you're okay. probably going to laugh at me mm. and make fun of me and mm. say, oh, my God, I can't believe you didn't know this. Right. But until Friday, I had no idea that these schools and their collectives were just soliciting fans for donations. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. I'm bl- I'm blown away by this. Oh, yes. Totally Frog. shocked. Wow. An entire 9 o'clock segment with Shannon on Friday was just like they couldn't. Way late. Shannon his, kept trying to move on, and yeah, he just couldn't. Was, he couldn't his get mind past was blown. it. His I, mind my was mind went mm-hmm. like yep. I was totally blown away by this by this realism. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew that the money was coming from somewhere, I, but I assumed that it was like, you know, these these incredibly wealthy boosters, companies that were willing to, you know, put up, you know, give a kid a car or whatever other sort of ways they would find through companies and through incredibly wealthy boosters. Right. It never dawned on me that they were asking, you know, the common folk for $50 donations. Yes. I'm disgusted. It's gross. I'm so disgusted it's by really that. It's gross. Because, because all of the money then is just coming straight from the fans instead of from the people that were previously making money on the backs of their free labor. The networks yep. are still making out like bandits. The executives are still making out like bandits. Mm. The schools are still making out like bandits. It's ridiculous, and they're just passing the cost on mm. to the fans. Not even the, yeah. the rich fans who are insane and, and trying to be boosters and get something out of it. The common folk fans are no. being asked to spend 50 bucks to make sure their sure. their college team has a quarterback for a sure. year before he transfers. Sure. Get out of town. Well, a couple of those are. Vomit. A couple of those are a little misguided. The networks are not making it. And you yes, can talk are. to our friends, David Pollock and Matt Hasselback. Yes, and a lot of my peers that have all lost their jobs yeah, whose no, salaries are nowhere near. No, it's not. I mean, yes, that's facts. Are. 
ESPN and Fox are not doing what they've done. They fi- they fired a lot of people. We've lost a lot of personnel. The technology on my games are not what they were five years ago. So the networks are not making what they used to make. That is a, I mean, that's just a fact. And the personnel and the talent and the people and the infrastructure shows all of that. So the networks aren't making it. And the schools, well, the AD at Arizona just got fired. And many of these schools are in a really tough spot with a ton of debt that is standing over them thinking that these conference networks would pay all of that. And that hasn't happened. So actually, you know, a couple of those are not doing what they did through the early 2000s and, and even last decade. They're, they've taken a step back. But no, Mark Stoops, coach of Kentucky, Salk, said in a post game after a loss, hey, you want to change this, fans? Start donating to our NIL. You know, Ryan Day has talked about it. Like, if we want to beat Michigan and we want to beat Georgia, like, hey, start donating because it's going to take these this ridiculous NIL collectives. And oh, by the way, the next step to that that is even dirtier and grosser is that it's not even when they get on campus. It's not even like, hey, well, once you're here in a part of the program, it's all inducements. Right. And it's paying families and it's paying pastors and it's paying high school coaches and it's trying to induce some of these top prospects to come to their school. So, you know, I've, I've got a few friends, former players, some that have been very successful in the NFL, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not donating to that. You know, now the school wants me to, hey, I'll, I'll donate to the school. Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I'll direct it, and I want it to go here. But to these dirty collectives that are inducing high school players and inducing players from other programs, no thank you. And, uh, yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's kind of. Kind of gross, Salk. You're kind of right. I mean, $8 billion on the whole Big Ten deal. That's just one of the conferences. You're going to have a hard time convincing me that well, everybody's I'm just, poor. I'm, but, okay. I'm telling you about the real life like trickle down t- to my peers who have lost their jobs. I believe people have lost their jobs. So, I also believe that there are people making money. I also, $8 billion. I also, know, like, <laughs> like, I also know that I'm on the number two crew, not the number six crew. I know. I'm on the number two crew at Fox, and I saw the enormous budget cuts. Like, I, I, these you're are trying real to convince cuts. me that corporations have found ways to make more money by limiting costs, you will not have any trouble doing that. I 100% believe you. Eight mm-hmm. billion dollars—that's just the Big Ten deal. That doesn't include the SEC. That include the Big Twelve. That include just the Big Ten. Eight billion dollars. Like, there's some money out there. You shouldn't need to start asking fans for 50 bucks a piece. There's already an eight billion dollar deal just for the Big Ten. Anyway, uh, we'll move on. But that shocked me when I when I found out about that. Um, do you want to spend a few more minutes, extra minutes on the Mariners, or you want to talk about the well, we'll uh, games Jerry we saw 20, the We'll weekend. get Jerry in 20 minutes. Okay, so let's, I, I, so let's I, I, yeah. yeah. I, well, I want to ask you about the Mike McDonald stuff yesterday. Okay. Because I had a good friend of mine, a couple of them actually, text me like, gosh, I was really hoping for Mike McDonald, and then I listened to the Brady Henderson of Baltimore that's in that building every day and talks to Mike McDonald, and I'm a little nervous yeah. about an introvert. Yep. And then I got a lot of people, both on Twitter and, you know, one that really – just shamed me, Salk, and said Abraham Lincoln was an introvert, and he was one of the greatest leaders ever. Don't you remember the Gettysburg Address? Yeah, I think the word introvert is loaded these days. Like, if you want to have a big-picture, non-sports conversation about the word introvert, Mm -hmm. uh, you could uh, be in the Salk household any night. Like, Heather and I end up talking about this stuff a lot. She's a therapist. She hears these, you know, buzzwords a lot. And, you know, in the last few years, this whole idea of being introverted, I think, has become a overdone and be kind of a crutch for people to be lazy and just not hang out with folks and be antisocial. Oh, interesting. But that's just a Mike Salk personal opinion. (laughs) I'm not saying there aren't introverts out there, but I think there are a lot of people who are now like, well, I don't have to do anything because I'm just an introvert. (laughs) Okay, well, so you don't have to be social. You don't have to have friends. You don't have to have community. (laughs) Right? 
He's like, oh, no, I'm an introvert. I don't have to do that. I can just stay home. And I, I don't think that's healthy, even oh, for people that are, gosh, quote, unquote, so, introverted. I love you. Will you ever record some of these conversations? That Heather and, and I have? Yes. Yeah. It's, you know what's funny is people think I'm such a jerk and Heather's so nice. She, she like, is the one leads these conversations. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Totally agree with you. You should talk to Heather about it because afterwards you'd be like, yeah, you're right. But when I say it, people are like, you're, right. you're mean to introverts. Well, two things on introverts. One, I think for a lot of people, it's an excuse. And two, you know, there's this whole idea of what it really means to be introverted, which is just that, you know, you 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 can certainly be outgoing and in public and social. Mm-hmm. You just recharge by yourself. Yes. That you need some alone time after all of that to recharge. Mm-hmm. And if that's who Mike McDonald is as an mm-hmm. introvert... Like, it kind of depends on your definition of the term. Yep. If he's the kind of introvert who just needs to recharge afterwards, sure. It's entirely possible Pete Carroll's an introvert. That, you know, he goes out and does that all day, but he needs some time by himself mm. at the end of the night. I'd mm. bet against it. I'd bet against that. Too. But it certainly isn't impossible. <laughs> yes. I mean, some of the great, you know, you mentioned Abraham Lincoln. He's not a leader necessarily, but Howard Stern, who's been one of the great performers on the radio of our mm-hmm. lifetime and beyond, He's an introvert. He mm. prefers to be by himself, but he gets up, you know, this energy for his persona when he's on the air. You and I can't fake it like that. We're not like that. Mm-mm. You and I are both extroverted by nature, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of people in this business that are in the other direction. Well, I think I, certainly I Dave. I one for 10 years. Uh, Jubal? Extreme introvert. Yeah, I mean, yes. Jubal, and he's great. Fantastic morning show host. Yep. Extreme introvert. Right? You talk to him kind of off the air, and I have. Very like, different person. Very, very different. So, I, you know... It, what does that word really mean? I don't know. I was more concerned, Brock, with the with the comparison he made to Vic Fangio. Mm-hmm. Because what I hear is, yeah, this guy's a really good coordinator. And I'm afraid that what people in Seattle want is a really good coordinator because they've been missing that for the yeah. last half decade or so. And I would understand that. I totally get it. I don't blame anybody in town for wanting Ben Johnson to coordinate this offense. Mm-hmm. I don't blame anybody in town for wanting Mike McDonald to coordinate this defense. But they're not being asked to do that. The question is whether or not these guys are going to be good head coaches. And right. maybe they will be. But that does give me some pause, at least, to hear that he's kind of a Vic Fangio type. Mm-hmm. Vic Fangio is one of the great coordinators of his lifetime, but he wasn't a very good head coach. He was Tom Moore. He was Monty Kiffin. He was a, a lot of these that is I have that been Steve around. Is that Steve Spagnuolo, too, by the way? That is Steve Spagnuolo. Yeah. Because yep. he's one heck of a coordinator. Yep. And when he got his chances to be a head coach, it just wasn't necessarily his fit. Jim you know, Schwartz. You, like, there's you, a lot of these guys. You become that head coach. You have got to coach your coaches. I think the greatest head coaching head coaches today, both at the collegiate and the professional level, and these are rare. And it's hard to get to that point. Where I can coach my coaches. Tony Dungy. Was Tony Dungy an introvert? He's a pretty quiet guy. He was super, super poised, super calm. But you know what Tony Dungy could do? He could plug into any room and often would do this. And he would sit in our QB meetings. He'd sit in our offensive staff meetings. He would sit in the offensive group meetings. He would sit in the defensive meetings. He could, he could sit in any room. And if somebody were to have gone down, boom, with a stroke and be done, guess what? He could coach that position group on just about everybody on the entire team. That, to me, is one of the – Pete Carroll could do the same. 
Pete Carroll could have gone in and coached quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, the O-line, the D-line, the linebackers, the safeties, especially. He could have gone in and, and done any of that. Mm-hmm. I bet you Mike Tomlin could do that. I bet you John Harbaugh could do that. I bet you Andy Reid could do that. I bet you Bill Belichick could do that. I bet you those at the top of the food chain, you know, and then you go to the college level too. With, I know Nick just retired, but the best of the best can do that. And that comes with time on task. Comes with a whole bunch of experience. Well, and for the most part, they needed to do it in order to get to the position they're at. And there's one guy that I think is on the market right now that people have attached to, and it feels like there's been a little bit of momentum lately, certainly over the weekend with Dan Quinn, that he's he's the one guy that could hire an entire staff mm-hmm. that I think could comfortably work every one of those rooms, could connect with every one of those rooms, and you know. Well, I think Avero might be the other name who fits that bill as well, right? I mean, as, as... And why Dave Canales reports are saying is fighting like mad to keep him there mm-hmm. in Carolina. Yeah. Is is working with the new GM out there that we know and, and Dan Morgan and said, nope, this guy cannot leave. Like, what? you know, we, we need this guy here and, and I'll do the offensive mm-hmm. side and yeah, that's the uh, that is the that is the element in all of this as well with a Mike McDonald or a Ben Johnson that has just not overseen an entire staff <laughs> and led that entire staff and and are they capable of doing that? Interesting. All right, yes. uh, Brock, are you an introvert? So am I? Uh-huh. Uh, no. I would say no. I'm, Justin? I'm pretty extroverted. Justin's out of the room, but I don't think you need to know the answer. Mora? You don't need to ask. I think Mora? it's clear that Justin's an extrovert. Yeah. I'm very much an introvert. Yes. Mm. Mm. No, but I've for- I mean I've gotten better at socializing at social situations, but uh-huh. it's not my favorite. I prefer. How are you doing with reading a calendar? <laughs> Setting an alarm. <laughs> wow. Poor Mora. Let's do some Blue Eighty Eight. <laughs> this is Brock and Sox Blue Eighty Eight. Blue Eighty Eight. Blue Eighty Eight. We take you to the field as Brock Ewart breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Yeah, I think I do like it when people screw up around me because you get to have great, great fodder on the radio. By the way, I would have bet every dollar that it was just a time zone thing. I was like, oh, that's fine. We're yeah, getting to yeah, we're talking about 8.30. I should have just lied. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh-uh. Ross had to cancel. Uh, Ross had to move to tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> just talk yep. to him. And he really uh, would prefer if we could do this tomorrow, <laughs> if you don't mind. Like, yeah, that's fine. We don't nope. care. Yeah, that's fine. We can, nope. we can be helpful like that. All right, Brock. Question number one for LeBlue88. Michael Penix at the Senior Bowl. Unlike yes. Troy Faltano, by the way, it sounds like he's no longer there. Not no there. longer on the roster. Doesn't need to be there. Oh, mm-hmm. Doesn't need to be. That's nice for him. Mm-hmm. Penix apparently does. How's it going? Well, he kind of made waves yesterday, and it didn't surprise me. He was 6'2", he was 2'12", but his hands were 10 and a half. Big his arms hands. were 33 and 5'8", and his wingspan was over 81. Does that matter for a quarter? I know the hands do. Do those other things matter? Well, the arm and the hand would be that equivalent as you look down the rest of the roster, because then I started to do this really Kyle Brown deep dive down a rabbit hole, like, oh, my gosh, you got the longest arms there. The only ones that are longer are offensive linemen. So he's got the frame of, or a tight end. So his hands and his arms are that of Theo Johnson, the tight end from Penn State that's 6'6", 260. Wow. So does that matter? Yeah, that kind of matters. <laughs> you know, that kind of shows you why he creates the kind of torque, the kind of whip, the kind of velocity that he does. Because he has the arm length and the hand size of a dude that should be 6'6". Six, six and- Yep. Sorry. That, that, that the mouse. What the is rebel? going on with this computer? What was that? Uh, this computer is normally huh. uh, got the sound off on it. I thought huh. that was a Gertie squeak toy. Yeah, I don't know what that was. I thought you were making some kind of noise. There a lot going about, on here. About a rabbit. Sorry about that. Went down the rabbit hole. Uh, but 
Yeah, no, that definitely starts to resonate. And I honestly thought his hands would be closer to 11. I have been told when they measured him at Washington that you just wait and see that his hands might be closer to 11. They're kind of difficult with their hand measurements, but just look at here's this is a this is a salute to you, Mr. Professor R.I.P. John Clayton, who loved hand size. So Joe Mil- Joe Milton, 6'5", 240, can throw a ball 85 yards. Can't hit the side of a, a wall. Has no accuracy, no anticipation. And it's why he was in Michigan and Tennessee and ultimately kind of demoted at Tennessee for their freshman phenom. But dude, he's 6'5", 235. He's the only one with hands like Michael Penix. Mm-hmm. Bo Nix, 9 and 7, 8. Sam Hartman, 9 and the, 6, The hand eights. thing I get. It's the arm thing that I, like, don't, isn't there potentially a downside there that it makes for that long delivery not that the way he, about? Not the way he whips it. Right. Not like Daniel Jeremiah told us last That's week. That's what Matt Miller said last week. He's worried about the long delivery. Ooh, no, not a long delivery. His delivery, not long. Right. His delivery, like a rubber band that is short and quick, and if anything, a little bit awkward. But, no, that shows you why he's able to leverage that football the way he is with the kind of RPMs. All right, question number two. Speaking of the Senior Bowl, uh, John Schneider, you would hope, gets this coaching thing wrapped up soon so he can go, you know, watch like he normally does at the Senior Bowl. What position group do you think he'll be paying most attention to? I I hope, and I know where I will be. It'll be a position that, I don't know, Salk, in the early years of the old Brock and Salk show, we talked about a lot. And then for, I don't know, a decade or so, we didn't really have to do that very much because Earl Thomas was there and Cam Chancellor was there and great players were there. But that safety position to me is one, and they patchworked it a little bit over the years with some injuries to different guys and backups that have played. And, man, we've seen a lot of bad safeties. You know, Pete Carroll told us safeties are kind of a dime a dozen because you know what? There's a lot of salt, six-foot, 205-pound athletes. And there's a lot of them that just at least qualify from a numbers standpoint and size and speed standpoint. But from a playmaking, difference-making standpoint, they're harder to come by than I think we we got. We were taking we took safety play for granted. How about that? We took it for granted for a lot of years because Earl and Cam That's were a lead. They spend more resources on, uh, in the top of the first round on a safety. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about make sure that okay. hey man, if, if if you got three third round picks. Make sure you get the right safety. Make sure if Sione Vaki uh, is there. Sione Vaki is there at, at you know in the third round, depending on, and I hope he runs four 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 five at the combine, because the guy has no governor and the guy will hit and the guy will finish. He can play offense, he can play defense, he can play special team. Give me someone that's just young. You watch, you watch these, do you hear the contact in these playoff games? Did you listen to the parabol- parabolic mics? That were on the sidelines there listening to the collisions between Detroit and San Francisco. Like, I don't want a highly paid veteran safety. I don't. I want a young and hungry climber and a sender that can bring a little thump with Dumb question. Is there any chance that's Jerick Reed? Just based on how he performed his special teams this past year? More of maybe a nickel. Okay. I think size is a little little undersized. They kind of do have that. All right. Just Maybe. I mean, they tried Kobe Bryant in the preseason. And then there really wasn't much of that in the regular season. I kind of liked him in the preseason more than I did at nickel in the regular season. But, yeah, Jamal Adams got some funny posts on Instagram. Went down memory lane with a lot of pictures. What that means, maybe he's pondering retirement this offseason with a body that's been totally broken. Quandre's got a number that is way, way, way too high for the amount of production and what's asked of him. So, yeah, I think that safety position, you got your eye on maybe a little bit more than you have in years past. All right, question number three before Jerry DePoto joins us in less than 10 minutes. Make the case for Dan Quinn. 
He's going to hire the best staff around him of any of these guys at a time where it is very competitive, where at a time you see all these dudes interviewing in a lot of places. And I don't know if you saw the headline yesterday, Jimmy Lake lands a D coordinator job, mm-hmm. going to be with Raheem Morris down in Atlanta. But yeah, time is ticking. Two weeks. What is today? The 30th, Wednesday, 31st. So February 1st is Thursday. So two weeks from then, they got to make a decision on Gino. So you, you better have somebody that is well-equipped uh, in that, uh, can put together a tremendous staff. I bet you Dan Quinn of these multiple interviews, and when John is sitting with them, and he was in Detroit last night and took a late flight about 10.30 or so on Vulcan Air down to, um, down to Baltimore today. I, guess, I think that's down a little bit more easterly to Baltimore to sit right now with Mike McDonald. I'm sure one of those questions is talk to me about your staff. Because we we had some staffing issues. You know, Ken was linebacker coach. It wasn't a coordinator, unfortunately. Clint Hurt was a great D-line coach. Hired in Philadelphia yesterday. Not a D-coordinator. Dan, tell me about your staff. Okay, ooh, I kind of like the sound of this. Hey, you know, tell me about your staff, staff, Ben Johnson. Tell me about your staff, Mike McDonald. Like, do those guys even, at this point, Mike McDonald, have any <laughs> feel for what that could and Don't look know. like and be? Don't know. So that is, the, I think, the, the strongest, the goes, the harder strongest case guys. you make for Dan Quinn yeah. is he's not Pete Carroll light. The strongest case you make for Dan Quinn is he can coach every position on the team Good. and he can assemble a staff that has maybe a little more pedigree than the youngsters can. All right, there you go. That is Blue 88. But I'm going to make the case for and against all these guys a little bit later, and we can kind of talk through it. All right. Because uh, I think that's I think that's kind of where we're at right now, as, as I would expect a decision to be made within the next day or so. Um, the Mariners made a big deal yesterday. We haven't talked to Jerry Depoto basically since the end of last season. Uh, they've kind of remade most of their club heading into next year. So I'm looking forward to talking to Jerry and finding out what this is all about. Who is Jorge Polanco and why did they sign him? Yes. Or trade for him yesterday. We'll do that. And a whole lot more with Jerry DePoto joining us next on Brock and Salk.